come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan, where we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. much for being with me here in the caravan this evening. I am so excited to welcome on Sandy as well as welcome back Steve Stockton. Hi guys. Hey there. Hi. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing great. Doing just, great. I'm happy that I made it through October. This was a rough one. It was busy and it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining, but oh my God, I was never so happy to see November <laughs> roll around. Yes, I agree. I think this has been the busiest October that I've ever had. And then the kids ended up getting uh, sick and then I had to cancel some shows, which that's a first that I've never had to do. And it's been incredible. And so I definitely would have to agree that as much as I love Halloween, I am very happy to be in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the busiest one I've ever had with the new books and all the other stuff going on and then missing persons and mysteries that just keeps growing and growing and growing. So a lot more added responsibility over there. Oh yeah. But then uh, I met Sandy and everything changed. She's the newest protege there, partner in crime. Uh, she's helping me breathe new life into 13 past midnight. We've got a lot of new stuff planned for over there. Cause I just kind of let that one languish for a while. Mm -hmm. It was a hobby channel, personal channel, and been doing ghost stories at midnight. This will be 270, 78, I think, mm -hmm. in a row tonight, 272, something like that. Wow. So we, uh, one thing, we changed the time. We're going earlier now. We're going at midnight Eastern, so it's still ghost stories at midnight anymore. And last night was the first time with a new time slot, and that worked out really great. We had pretty much all of our regulars. They just didn't have to get up at 3 a.m. We have so many East Coasters. Mm -hmm. And right. they're appreciative of the time change. That's awesome. I was able to catch you guys the other night and you guys were talking about one of my favorite subjects and that was uh, superstitions. Your research that you did was absolutely incredible. I was really fighting, trying to stay up because I had been up so late the night before and I wanted to stay on to listen. And one of the things that I didn't realize or I never thought of, and I don't know why I didn't, was when you were talking about spilling the salt. I've always just taken the salt shaker and dumped it, you know, over my left shoulder when I spilled it. I never actually took the salt out of the pile that I spilled. Right. You've had incredibly bad luck for the last 40 years. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> my, well, my luck's actually been really good, so. <laughs> oh, okay, well, maybe that's the secret. to Maybe. <laughs> And you said you yeah, dumped it over your shoulder. Yeah, I actually found some really cool stuff in that research when I was researching all of that. It was fun to do also. I love to do research. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite topic to research? It's not paranormal related, honestly. My background is all medical and had oh, wow. not been for my health issues, I would have gone on to finish my degree in epidemiology. So wow. I would have... Um, 
and of course that's the study of the progression of disease uh, disease process so that, that's, that's what fascinating. I would have been doing that is a really cool topic but on that the paranormal awesome. side I do like urban legends and superstitions those are very fun to research and then I do like researching you know serial killers and the psychology side of that is really fun too I take in mm. you know abnormal psych and that's fun. I, I really enjoy just about any kind of research. I love learning new stuff. So oh, wow. it makes me happy. <laughs> oh, for sure. Now, do you have a favorite serial killer that you have come across that you've studied and researched the case? So I actually had a friend that was a serial killer that, you know, was here from the town that I live in and he's serving a life sentence. He got the death Mm -hmm. penalty. And I think they, on all but one of those cases, they went back and converted the death penalty over to a life sentence. You know, being so close to him and I, we were really good friends and I wouldn't say that he was my favorite, but he was definitely one that when it came out, I was like, oh my gosh, are you guys sure? Because his mother worked for the sheriff's department and he had been in the military. He had some quirkiness to him, but he was a nice enough guy. I mean, he never suspected anything. He hid it really well. But aside from that, I like studying or finding the little known cases. The Ted Bundy has been beaten to death. The been talked about and talked about so much. So when I do research, I try to find cases that haven't spent a lot of time in the spotlight. We've had, uh, you know, several serial killers in this area. There's always, you know, active ones out there. But was it the I-70 killer? That one is, and I, I think to this day, they still don't know who committed all of those murders. And that one, to me, is just spooky. And then the Green River killer, for whatever reason, that one just creeps me out. I don't know why that one bothers me so bad. I like the I like to go start my own research from the ground up without having a lot of knowledge about the case. That way I can form the facts. There's no conjecture or opinion in there. And I, you know, had to find good, believable, fact-based stories about them. And it's not something that I've read on Wiki or seen on YouTube Mm. or... So I I try to pick up a book and I have a book of serial killers. Um, I have several books on different serial killers. Um, So I try to go to a book and read book, newspapers, that, that type of stuff. So... That's fascinating. You know, serial killers and true crime has always been something that has been hard for me to really jump into. I mean, I think it goes back to when I was really little because, I mean, I loved watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries and they had a good mixture in there missing persons and the serial killers and then you had your spontaneous combustion and your ghosts and the lightning stuff you know and I always felt that I would be able to handle the paranormal over human monsters any day yeah and then when I got into high school I went into search and rescue 
And the very first case was a murder case. And we were called there basically to just sweep over the crime scene and make sure there was no other evidence that they haven't already, you know, picked up. And then after that, it was just looking for missing persons. But you never knew what you were going to come across. You never knew the the state of the body Mm -hmm. being out in the elements and everything. But towards the end, I had started to go over to the police side and I was going to, you know, I started taking classes. And it was when we were taking a class about post-mortem class and it was too much. You know, they had they had the real photos of real scenes of when you entered Mm -hmm. and how to read the scene and, and how to find out how somebody had died. And it was just at that point, I stopped and I was like, you know, this is definitely not for me. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it takes a, a, a strong I person. I think it does. It does. My my entire background, as I said before, was uh, medical. I was a nurse, a firefighter, EMT, and did a little bit of search and rescue. We only worked on uh, one case. We were helping out a friend of mine, but that is a really hard job. You know, I have the utmost respect for anybody that is in search and rescue because it's not just you know people think of the search and rescue is out with their co-workers out looking for someone but they don't right. think about you know when you actually find the person establishing the crime scene the boundaries of the crime scene oh, yeah. not tampering with anything in the crime scene it's a very hard job and it takes not just a strong body to do it but a strong mind to do it as well Oh, yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is the age. I think I was 16 or 17 when I went in search and rescue, but you can be your, I think the ages are between 14 and 21. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have the utmost respect for you for going into that. And definitely thank you for your service out there because we need good search and rescue people, good, you know, first responders, and you guys are right there with them. So Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I'll never forget all those different times that I went out for sure. It definitely was life changing. So when it comes to the paranormal, remind me again, what your favorite topic was in the paranormal. I know that you said superstitions and then I like superstitions and, um, we talked a little bit last night about urban legends and, That was actually a fun video to make. I did a lot of research on it. And again, I didn't want to do the urban legends that we hear about all the time, you know, Bloody Mary or the hitchhiker right. beside the right. I actually went and did some kind of in-depth research on that and came up with several stories that were, some were just ludicrous if you think about the actual facts of what, you know, this subject that you're talking about. And then somewhere like, you know, that could happen, you know, I mean, who's to say it's the unknown. Could it happen? Did it happen? Because some, a lot of urban legends actually sparked from a little snippet of truth. So, you know, what was the truth though? What part of it was true and Mm. how did it morph from what actually happened into now being an urban legend, you know? Right. What now, what do you think is the most probable urban legend and the most improbable urban legend? Uh, The most probable urban legend would probably be the bodies found in hotel rooms under the bed because it's actually happened. Right. That's happened in Texas. Yes, there's a case in Texas and Oklahoma. 
improbable, I would say, I was probably when I talked about last night where, you know, they find they're using helicopter to help fight forest fires and they find the, you know, scuba diver up in the tree and, you know, he's been sucked up into the water basket. And, you know, we were talking about being a firefighter. I've seen Mm -hmm. the water baskets that they use, the valves on the bottom of those baskets are relatively small compared to the size of the basket. So... There are others out there that you just kind of did this cropsy was actually true. You know, parents would tell their children this story about a man with a hook that would kill children to keep them, you know, indoors at night to keep the, you know, when the streetlights come on, you need to come home. Right. There is actually a man running around killing children that lived in an abandoned insane asylum. And oh my gosh. Yeah, this was in New York. So, you know, that one turned out to be true. So some of them are, and as you research them, you can kind of get a sense as to, you know, this one's just not true, or this one may have some elements of truth to it. And then you just want to research it even more. How did this begin? Who's telling this? Why is it being told? And here we are decades later, even hundreds of years later still you know hearing these legends being told and we pass them down to our children and then Mm. on and on and I like that there's that kind of element to it where you know it's something that excites you and then you know you pass it on to your child and get them interested in it so I like that right now do you have a favorite urban legend My favorite urban legend would probably be the ghost girl hitchhiking on the side of the road. Um, You know, the trucker or a car Mm. stops for her and picks her up. And, you know, she's telling about how her and her boyfriend had a fight and he left her on the side of the road Mm. and she needs to get home. And then, you know, they pull up in front of the house and she's gone and they go in and to the house and the parents like, yes, you've just described my daughter, but she died, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. I really like that one. I, I do believe in ghosts. So maybe that one is true. That's one of those that you can, is it true? Is it not true? Did it happen? And I think there's some elements of truth to that one as well. I think teenagers all throughout history um, have had accidents, even in the time of horse and wagons, teenagers that fell off and hit their head and died tragically or, you know, got trampled by the horse and they died young. And maybe their spirit isn't ready to go on. Maybe they're not done here and they stuck around for whatever reason and they just have to keep reenacting their last moments. There's so many facets to that and how it could have happened and why it happened and how she had the accident. And, you know, was it the boyfriend that caused her to be there? Did she get mad and want to get out? Or, you know, did a cutter? Did, you know, someone murder her? There's so many ways that could be told and so many things that could have happened that it just, it gives your mind a place to wander to and it's not stuck with just this is exactly what happened this is the facts period it lets you think about different scenarios that could have happened so i really like right. that one that is definitely one of my favorite have you heard the song 
It's an older song. I can't remember when it was done. I think in the the 50s or the 60s. It's called Where Can My Baby Be? And it's about... Yes, and Pearl Jam redid it. Yep. Yes. Yes, Pearl Jam redid it. Yeah. I've always loved that song. And I've thought about the urban legend. And I've thought about that song. And I've thought, man, you know how amazing it would be if somebody made a movie where they took that song and then after she passes away, you know, that's part of the movie, she passes away and then she becomes Mm -hmm. that hitchhiker. I think that that would be an amazing film. That is an amazing song. And that is an amazing idea. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, (laughs) somebody, if if there's a filmmaker listening, please make it. (laughs) Yes, please. We will watch it. Yes, for sure. Now, you said that you believed in ghosts. Have you had any experiences with ghosts and spirits? Yes. When I was a kid, and I told this the other night, I think on one of the nights that we were on live, my grandmother had a friend that lived in South Carolina. And her friend had become really ill and uh, was diagnosed with cancer. It was a rapid rapidly progressive cancer. It was, um, by the time they figured out what was going on with her, she had, you know, just a few weeks left. And my grandmother said, you know, you're not staying in South Carolina. You're going to come here to North Carolina and let us take care of you. And, you know, you can take my daughter's room, my daughter and my granddaughter can come bed Mm -hmm. down with me and we'll make room for you here. We went to South Carolina, got her and brought her to North Carolina. And so she had had my aunt's room and she actually ended up passing away in that room. So the night that she passed away, my grandmother had found her that morning. And so, you know, EMS is called and they come and make sure. And then the medical examiner comes and they, you know, they pronounce her and they do their job and take her. And uh, so we cleaned up the room and got it, you know, ready for my aunt to move back in there. And my aunt's like, you know, I'm a little creeped out. I'm not so sure I want to go to sleep in there tonight. And my grandma's like, you know, not a problem. I used to kick really bad. (laughs) I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep with my grandma and just uh-huh. be kicking, kicking her, kicking her, kicking her all night. She'd be like, oh my God. Oh my God. She's like, I would get to sleep on the floor because you kick me all night long. <laughs> so, you know, they're trying to sleep and I'm in the middle just kicking both of them all night long. But, and that door, for whatever reason, the latch wouldn't latch all the way. And so if you wanted mm-hmm. it to stay closed, you would actually have to get up and tie a string or something around it to keep it oh. closed. Well, my grandmother used one of her robe ties and just tied the door shut. We're laying in bed and we're talking mm-hmm. and we're all laying face up. And I don't remember if it was something caught our eye or we heard something and all three of us stopped talking and we're looking at the door. This robe tie is literally untying itself, like just coming undone right in front of us and the door swings open. Oh, wow. And so we're laying there. My grandmother's like, all right, I'll get up and go tie it again and make sure that it's tied tight this time. So she gets up and fixes it, comes back to bed. We're laying there and nobody's saying a word. And a few minutes after she got back into bed, it starts untying itself again. And we were so creepy. All three of us just sat up in bed and none of us slept that night. And none of us would get up to go retie it. So (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to get carried off by boogeyman. 
So um, that was one story as a kid that just resonates with me to this day. And I was so creeped out about Mm. it that I would never go back in that room. I actually had a couple of accidents trying to avoid going in that room. Oh, um, I was wow. running through her house one day in patent leather shoes, sliding mm. across the floor and slid over the carpet and oh, ended no. up like I was trying to fight not going into the room. And I threw myself down the ground and ended up sliding all the way into the room and hit my head on the oh. chest of drawers that was in there and blacked both my oh, eyes. Goodness. So, um, yeah. And then... Wow was jumping up and down on my grandma's bed one day and she was like sandy elizabeth i can hear you in there stop jumping (laughs) up and down on my bed and i was like okay and then she'd go back to like she was peeling potatoes or something outside so Mm -hmm. start jumping up and down on the bed again she was like sandy elizabeth lynette i can hear you i was like okay (laughs) i'll stop god don't have to use both my middle names jeez (laughs) so right I got down off the bed and I was like, all right, what can I get into now? And my grandmother had like the coolest clothes from like the fifties oh, and sixties. And so I had played nice. dress up and she would have like Mary Jane shoes and I love oh. Mary Jane shoes. <laughs> so she had a pair and they were just inside that room. And I was like, all right, mm. how can I get them out of there without going in that room? So I was like, I'll use my uncle's fishing net. Oh, so I no. go and grab the fishing <laughs> net and I'm like trying to get the fishing net in the door, trying to hook the shoes to get them out while the, it latched onto my aunt's. She had one of those jewelry holders that held oh, necklaces no. and it started to pull it <laughs> over. And so I dropped the net and go running in there and try to catch the jewelry as it's falling onto the floor and oh, no. the whole thing fell over on top of me and it was so heavy it was a big old jewelry one of those big old jewelry boxes just full of stuff and I'm laying under it like moaning and my grandma comes in she's like I thought I told you to stop jumping up and down on my how did you get under there oh that's amazing she's like what's the fishing net doing in here (laughs) oh you wouldn't believe me if I told you Right. So, right. yeah, I tried to avoid that room at all costs. And then my grandma finally got tired of my antics of avoiding that room and had the house mm. burned down. And they put another one um, on the property where that house used to be. So, oh, wow. Um, I hated that room with a passion. Didn't ever want to go right. in there. It was always cold in there. And it, it was just off. And I think part of the reason is because the lady that passed away, her name was COV. And I, I, you know, she kind of died hard. I think when, you know, spirits are that traumatized before Mm. the body dies, maybe they can't go because they're so traumatized, you know, and they, when you die that hard and in that much pain, it's gotta be rough. Right. So yeah, I had a few mishaps in that house. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was an amazing story. And goodness, I mean, so when the new house was built on a different part of the property, there was mm-hmm. never any more experiences, anything strange that happened in the new house? Oh, no, we still had we still had things that happened in the new house. We would have stuff that would go missing and turn up in different places. We would have, uh, you know, still kind of cold spots. It wasn't a whole cold room, but we would still have some cold spots throughout the house. My grandmother always kept a basement 
she gardened and she would can, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever she grew that year, we would can it. And then she had a root cellar too. And we kept our potatoes and stuff in there. And uh, we had a well house. Now Mm -hmm. the well house, I never minded going in the well house by myself. I actually loved it. I like the musty smell in there. I don't know why, because gross, it stinks, smells like mold in here. Sometimes you would have to go out and prime the pump for the well house. And uh, my grandma taught me how to do it at an early age. I knew how to go out and prime the pump for the well. So I could, you know, just go, she would say, you know, go out to the well house and prime the pump. So I could do that myself. And I remember one day she said, you know, on your way back from fixing the the well, can you stop by the root cell and grab some potatoes? So I go fix the well. I'm walking. I passed the root cellar. And I was like, oh, I was supposed to go get some potatoes. So I turn back around and walk in. And I go down the little steps and the door slams shut behind me. I was like, mm. wham. I was like, no. So I go running back up the steps. I was like, no, no, no. And like beating on the door, let me out. So oh, my no. grandma's like, she hears me. She's like, what the hell's going on out here? Where are you at? Like, I'm in the root cellar. Let me out. Can't get the door open. She's like, wow. Next time, slide the piece of wood so that the wind doesn't blow the door. I was like, it wasn't the wind. Something closed that door. So yeah, there is still weird things that happened. It wasn't, uh, that place wasn't ever right again. And I think my grandma, she picked up on that too. And she did everything in her power to try to, to make me, you know, happy and healthy and growing up, not being Mm -hmm. so traumatized and she did her best and it was okay because she would explain to me, you know, they, they called them Hank because we were all from the South and we have, you know, weird words for everything. Hank Siovi is hanging around and Siovi loved you and she would never hurt you. And so, you know, I just come to think of Hank Siovi as Aunt Siovi and maybe she's just hanging around to make sure I'm okay and that I'm not a naughty little girl. So <laughs> and I think my grandma would use that to her advantage too. You know, if you're bad, mm. Hank Siovi is going to come check on you. I learned to live with it. And my grandma was into all of, you know, that stuff too, folklore and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Growing up in the South, there's a lot of it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. I can hear you over there, Steve. Yes. It's your turn. I said I wasn't going first. (laughs) And then you you knocked it out of the park. I was just sitting here just totally riveted by what you were telling me. Me and get locked in a root cellar. Well, it's just, and of course, the viewers can't see this, but you were so animated in your retelling of it there, and you're hatching out the parts and everything. I was, I was yeah. like beating on that door trying to get out. I was like, let me out, let me out. Yeah, this has been Don't great. Me in here. <laughs> I love it. Some good stories. And I think anybody's house that I ever went to as a kid, there was one room like that that just fell off. Oh, and yeah. usually that's where mm. somebody had died. I'd gone to somebody's house one time. I was fixing their computer. This was back in the 90s. Where their computer was at, they had like an easy chair there. Wow, this is really a comfortable chair. You know, and you got it right here in front of your computer. And the lady's like, yeah, my mother died in that chair. And I'm just like, eh. Oh, my God. The fact that somebody died in it, you know, then it was all of a sudden, like, I don't like this chair anymore. Can I have one out of the kitchen? Right. But my right. grandmother's yeah. house like was like that the upstairs and there was like a secret room and everything up there like uh oh. i mean there was a door for it and everything but there was a little room behind the bed in one of the rooms 
looked like a closet, but then you open it up and there was a room with a window and everything in there. And I think one of my cousins had sat in there and done his homework and stuff. So there was a little desk and books and things in there. But that always used to give me such creeps. And her house, of course, she was the one, the self-proclaimed gypsy witch. She knew every superstition in the world and uh, would constantly, you know, don't do that. You you know, that'll cause you bad luck or if you do yeah. this, then you have to do that. I remember once um, a hen had laid an egg that wasn't quite developed. It was kind of oblong and funny looking. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, take that outside. That's bad luck. So take it out and throw it over the roof. And she said, if you can't throw it over the roof, take it down to my uncle Herbert lived on the same property. He had a little one-story house. She's like, if you can't throw it over the roof here, take it down and throw it over Herbert's roof. And then it just kind of dawned on me like, oh, that's so silly. You know, it's like, <laughs> it shouldn't matter. But as long as you threw it over a roof somewhere, you were spared whatever tragedy was going to befall you for having an underdeveloped chicken egg. That oh, it came wow. in with. Anything was could get you in trouble or cause bad luck. Or um, there's all the usual stuff, a black cat or a broken mirror mm-hmm. walking under a ladder. Mm-hmm. The things like the kids would do, like walking with one shoe on and one shoe off. Oh, wow. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what the, the superstition behind that was, but that was the one that would get you in trouble. Uh, we talked about a bunch of these the other night on uh, 13 Pass. Yeah. We do like this monologue where we talk for an hour, sometimes two, before we play the ghost story, which are pre-recorded. Right. And we've been coming up with a singular topic or trying to. And that superstition, one, that was one of the best ones yet. Uh, the yeah. biggest one was uh, don't put a hat on the bed. I did that one time and my grandmother, I mean, she screamed at me. She said, you might as well just take a gun and put it to the back of somebody's head and pull the trigger. Oh, goodness. Kill somebody. (laughs) I'm I'm like eight years old. I'm like, shit. I didn't mean to kill anybody. I just put my hat on the bed. So I don't know where that superstition came from because some of it you can kind of see how wow. one thing leads to another. You know, you walk under a ladder, something can fall on you, right. on a paint bucket or something, you know. So there are ones I can see being bad luck, but don't know what it is. The hat on the bed to this day, I just I have an apoplectic fit if I see somebody put a hat on the bed. I remember once right. my daughter was visiting me out in Las Vegas when I lived out there. When she was getting ready to leave, I was going to take her to catch her flight back. And she's getting her stuff ready, and she puts a hat on the bed. I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't want to freak out because she's getting ready to get on a plane. Right. But I'm thinking, if your plane goes down, I know why. So I, I snuck oh. over and got the hat off the bed <laughs> and put it um, on a backpack. But it's just wow. uh, some of that stuff, it gets so ingrained in you. Right. It's, it's hard to not do it or to not think about it. Um, right. Stepping on a crack, you know, and breaking your mother's back. Sandy had a, <laughs> an interesting retelling of that one that I'd never heard, but it's yeah Um, i was i did hear that one i uh when i tuned in and i was surprised because the origins of that i had never heard of and so that was really great research that either but i can kind of see that you know especially coming from the south and oh yeah uh, the way people were down there at one time and it it made sense right i never heard that i always heard break your mother's back yeah no uh, same here i mean i wouldn't that one I didn't put too much stock in, but I'm yeah. still to this day I'm careful not to step on a crack if I'm watching or I'm going. But uh, I'm OCD. I count things anyway. Yes. So if I'm walking on the sidewalk, I'm counting my steps or counting the squares and stuff. So it's kind of mm-hmm. easy to not step on a crack. And then uh, I remember a kid that I went to school with didn't like his mother, and he was out on the <laughs> playground like stomping all the cracks. Like I hate my mother. I hate my mother. I hope oh, she gets geez. hit by a bus. You know, it's oh, just like oh. going off. Oh, man. And, and you wonder about stuff like that when you were kids. Um, I saw like a, it was a toy voodoo doll one time and I thought, you know, oh, I want that. I'm going to take care of the neighbor kid. You know what I imagine? <laughs> you know, with the kid, you don't think about that. They would have real right. 
any percussions. So now I'm gonna break his arm and make his hair fall out and uh, <laughs> stick pins in my butt when he's trying to sleep. You know, right, right. And, and uh, just, just to, you know, it would have been fun. You didn't think about the the dark. I'm gonna side. wait until he goes to school and I'm gonna strip him off naked, make him get naked in front of the whole class, <laughs> and make him walk down the hallway. And then on the urban legends, we covered those, and I had some production videos that I'd made for. Unicorps Tales channel a couple years ago and we played mm -hmm. those and I wrote them so there's you can imagine some of them were pretty hardcore I mean there were <laughs> penises and Spanish fly stolen kidneys and choking Dobermans mm. and all the, the big uh, urban legends that I remember as a kid and I believed all that stuff you know it wasn't until right. mm -hmm. the late 70s early 80s there's a professor of folklore from Utah Jan Harold Brunvon he came out mm. with a book called The Vanishing Hitchhiker, which was the first book. Yes. Also had The Choking Doberman and Curses Broiled Again, which was about people falling asleep in tanning beds and oh, cooking from right. the inside out. It had several different volumes. But in that first one, I remember getting that and reading it and just being absolutely blown away. I'm like, no, no, these aren't urban legends. These are real. I heard this. <laughs> and um, sure enough, just about every one of those stories I'd heard and took as gospel <laughs> truth. Growing up, it was always you know, a friend of a friend, a foaf, that it had happened to. But like the kid who was water skiing and got uh, bitten by a water monster. The snakes. snakes. Mm -hmm. I heard that, you know, so I was careful. I'm, I'm not going skiing in that lake. Somebody got bit from there. <laughs> Vanishing Hitchhiker, that's one of those. There's so many different varieties of that, different versions of yes. that throughout mm -hmm. the country. And in other countries, when I was in Southeast Asia, they had versions of that over there. So oh, I think wow. that's one of those that did happen somewhere at one time, and mm -hmm. it just got passed around. Uh, the Vanishing Hitchhiker and Crybaby Bridge. You mm -hmm. go to any yeah. little community down south, they've got at least at least one Crybaby Bridge. Some of them have two or three. And mm -hmm. that legend is where the lady goes nuts and throws her baby off the bridge. And right. then realizing what she's done, she flings herself off the bridge. So depending on the variant and the community where it happened, you encounter the lady on the bridge or you hear the baby crying down in the water or mm. you see the woman down in the water looking for the baby or you see them both down in the waters. Right. But, now, do you have a favorite? There's so many of them. Uh, favorite urban legends. I would have to say probably the Vanishing Hitchhiker because that's one I told so many different places and in so many different ways. And uh, that one, I even heard that one growing up, but it was more of a ghost story than, you know, hey, right. this happened to a friend of mine. It was more of like, this is what happened a long time ago. Right. So it was more just a standard ghost story the way I heard it. The other urban legends, I like the one like where the, the girl had the spiders, where the spider had laid eggs in her cheek. Oh, pimple and she popped it. Oh. There was another one in Brun Vaughn's books that like was from the, the 50s or 60s when the girls wore the big bouffant hairdos that they yes. keep sprayed up. There's a, a girl that had a, a spider nest in her hairdo and didn't oh. know it. And then there's another one where roaches had built a nest in the girl's hair. <laughs> and she was at a dance and her date is like twirling her around and roaches are flying out of her bouffant <laughs> and onto the other dancers. Oh, and she awful. had to change school. <laughs> oh. And then when they... When they did what it really had to do to kill the roaches, all her hair fell out. Oh, geez. So oh. she had the rep. See that bald girl over there? <laughs> she threw roaches <laughs> on everybody in a party. So, yeah, she got a wig and, and changed school districts, especially the ones like that or where there's something foreign in food, like the Kentucky oh. Fried Rats or the yeah. ones people have gotten some fresh meat from the butcher shop and there's a tip of a thumb oh. in there. 
yeah and, uh, yeah the food ones are just so bad like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I've read some that scarred me for life that I was just like I am never going to read that again and I'm going to stay away from all the food urban legends yeah those it's just that something that's not supposed to be there and then of course uh somebody supposedly found a, a finger in a bowl of chili I think that was at Wendy's <laughs> it, it moves around where it supposedly happened right another one that I heard as a kid and believed that there were spider eggs in hub bubble gum oh and um that was so popular and such a big schoolyard rumor they actually took out advertising in comic books full page ad that said something is telling you very bad things about a very good gum they didn't know where it started there never were any spider eggs found in hubba bubba bubble wow and they even put ads in um, magazines right. parents read with the same thing it's like something <laughs> somebody is telling your children very bad things about a very good gum but yeah i remember hearing that on the playground that wow and right. um, the same with uh, Pop Rocks, when those were popular. Oh, uh, Mikey, yes. the little kid from the Life Cereal commercial, <laughs> he ate like 20 packs of Pop Rocks and then mm -hmm. drank a Coke and his stomach exploded and he died. Yes. Well, of course, that I one's been debunked because he's still alive. He still makes appearances <laughs> and stuff. And then on Mythbusters, they actually tried that. They took a cow's stomach oh, and uh, wow. clipped it off to where it would be the size of a human stomach, mm -hmm. filled it with 20 packs of Pop Rocks and then poured a Coke in it. And it did wow. blow it up. Up. it would be uncomfortable as hell but <laughs> it, it didn't explode wow that's incredible <laughs> the food things i can see that happening especially body parts and things uh my right. brother was at a uh like just a regular grocery store was having in the deli and was having some meat sliced and he heard kind of a fling and we looked and the guy that oh, sliced no. the meat had cut the tip of his thumb off Hang on to the pastrami. I don't want it now. Wow. The next time he was in there, the guy's still back there slicing meat, but he's got a big bandage on his thumb. Uh, the strangest thing I've ever found that wasn't supposed to be there, I was at an Asian restaurant one time, and there was some kind of green worm about an inch long that was in the cabbage. Oh, goodness. I mean, it won't hurt. It's just extra protein, but it's just the fact right. of eating something that's, that you don't know you're eating or that you wouldn't normally eat. What? No right. what do you mean it won't hurt you? It could do a hole through your stomach. You don't know. It's some unknown green worm. Not, not if you chew it up good. You know, I've, I haven't encountered anything crazy that was unknown in my food. The only thing that I ever ended up having an experience with was I was at work. And they took us out to lunch and they took us out to pho and I just let them order for me and I got my bowl of soup and it was full of little tentacles. The entire thing was tentacles and I had no idea because I've never eaten anything like that before in my life and I was not expecting it at all, but I ate it. I ate it and I tried not to make a face and I tried not to complain, but that was probably the most difficult lunch I've ever had. Well, did you die? No, I'm still here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yep, that's, right. that's true. <laughs> um, that is true. It was like that when I was overseas, especially like in Thailand. In the, the open market there, the street markets, they were frying crickets or spiders or oh, right. lizards or all kinds of things and offering them for sale to eat. I mean, the people walking around eating right. fried grasshopper and stuff, or you could buy like mealworms and things like that. Again, mm. it's protein. You're hungry enough, I guess you'll eat anything or you'll eat what's cheap and plentiful. That's but it's true. just the thought of it. I mean, there was a lot of uh, animals over there that we consider pests that you could buy hanging in a butcher shop window. Now, I won't go into that because that's... <laughs> 
uh, upset a lot of people, but yeah, things that, that we consider pets here, domesticated animals and things, that's, right. that's dinner over there. Right. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of different beliefs when it comes to that stuff. I, I believe it's over in India, right? That the cow is mm-hmm. considered sacred. Yeah, the so they would never. Animal. They wouldn't eat it. And yeah. In fact, anything that you do to a cow, by law, they can do to you. Like if you beat a cow, they can beat you. That uh, I if I go know. to India, I'll be put between, the, <laughs> put on a grill <laughs> or put between the barn or something and chowed down upon. Right. Can't help it. I like beef. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. I'm. I'm the same way. A good burger is welcome by me. I'm still well, sure it's shocking to them, you know, to to come here and see. Oh my God, they're eating a hamburger. They're eating a cow. You know, holy right. cow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just the shock is probably even more so because you know dogs and cats and things like that we look at those as pets we right. don't look at them as divine animals that are to be worshipped so right. uh, eating cat dog would be nothing compared to eating a cow which is you know a, a sacred animal right no that's true well you guys this has been incredible and i've loved having this conversation with you can you tell everybody <laughs> where they can find you you can find us at uh, midnight Eastern time on uh, 13 past midnight. Uh, we do ghost stories at midnight and Sandy is uh, the other host of the show. I don't want to call her a co-host because that's diminutive. She's an equal and I'm mm. glad to have her on board. She's the best thing's ever happened to the channel. As you can see here, she's well-versed in everything and keeps me in line. So, <laughs> but uh, you find us there. We do a general topic that we talk about, a monologue, if you will, that mm-hmm. lasts anywhere from an hour to maybe two. And then after that, it's uh, ghost stories that are in the public domain, stuff from writers around the turn of the last century. So Victorian era ghost stories. Have a lot of fun with that. And we do some special one-offs and stuff on that, too, like all the public domain works of Poe or all mm. of H.P. Lovecraft's works or the influences of Lovecraft. We have some specials. Sometimes we'll have a book from a singular author but usually it's just a mixed bag of about 20 ghost stories runs all night overnight some of them are short as five or six hours some of them run 10 11 hours or more there's that then missing persons and ministries i'm still over there sandy is helping me over there she's doing research for a series that uh, she and i are going to be doing together about the missing and murdered indigenous women which that's a topic that nobody's really talking about i mean recently you had the, the girl right. that went missing that captivated the whole country gabby petito and in the area there where they were searching for in the last 10 years there's been over 700 indigenous women go missing there mm. you never hear a word about any of that no but yet you one blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girl went missing and the world went nuts. So right. we're trying to boost the signal, raise awareness for these uh, missing and murdered indigenous women. It's just, it's a tragedy. Mm. It's just uh, nobody talks about. Right. Thank you for doing that. It's so important.